Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries bringing you another podcast from the Pastor's Study. We are starting a new year, and one of the most important decisions we can make is to read our Bibles. However, when one reads their Bible, they must have the correct understanding of what they're reading. Today, we want to look at four views of inspiration and the importance of understanding and believing the correct view. Let's begin by reading 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. And he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Shall we pray? Father, as we look at this subject today, we pray that thou would give us clear thinking and understanding of what you're seeking to teach. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. When we take a look at the subject of the inspiration of Scripture, I want to fit that into 1 John chapter 4 because I feel it's so important. When you take a look at 1 John chapter 4, John is writing and telling the people how they can know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And there are really two tests that he gives us here. We won't have time to examine them in detail, but I'll give you a summary. And the first test is this. It is their view regarding incarnation. Of Christ. Now, incarnation is the fact that Christ took upon himself flesh. And we've just observed that through the Christmas season, haven't we? And the incarnation of Christ is outlined in 1 John chapter 4 in verses 2 and 3. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, where I have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. So the view of incarnation is very important if you want to know the spirit of truth. But the second thing is the view of inspiration of scriptures. And the idea of inspiration of scriptures is the idea that God breathed them. If you wanted to write down a good reference for that, probably one you have memorized, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which we'll look at later, but it emphasizes all scriptures given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration means God breathed, and that's the only time it's used in our Greek New Testament. The inspiration that God breathed, his word. And you say, well, why did John make such a big deal out of this in 1 John chapter 4, the idea of the incarnation and the idea of inspiration? Well, he did that, verse 6, Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us consider for a moment just how important this view of inspiration is. For the Christians, all his doctrine or teaching must come from God. Botner, who was an author, wrote this, and I copied it from my notes today. Inspiration is the mother and guardian of all other doctrines. All other doctrines come from the all our doctrines come from the Bible and rely upon the Bible for its authority in knowing doctrine or what to believe. So when John wrote in 1 John, he knew exactly what he was dealing with. He was encouraging the people to have the right view of the incarnation that Jesus came in the flesh and the right view of inspiration that God breathed his word to us. Now, there are a lot of different views regarding inspiration and God's word. And as I mentioned in our introduction, we're going to look at four of them. Three of them, I believe, are air, and one of them, I believe, is truth. Let's see how they unfold. First of all, 
There are those who do not believe in the inspiration of the Bible. There are those who do not believe in the inspiration of the Bible. You've heard this, I'm sure. They say it is only a book written by men. Now, when we hear that argument, we have to ask this question. How can this be? The Bible is a collection of 66 books. There are 39 Old Testament and 27 New Testament. It's written by over 40 authors from all walks of life. You've got statesmen, you've got physicians, you've got fishermen, you've got farmers, you've got shepherds. It's written over the course of 1,600 years from various locations under various governments with various histories and etc. And yet we can read Genesis through Revelation and find a harmonious record of God's dealing with man and his gracious offer of salvation. It's as though one person superintended the writing of this book. Now that, to me, proves that this word is not written just by men, but the word is written by God. What do you mean? Well, let me give you a quick illustration. Have you ever played the game where you've lined up a number of people and you've written something down on a piece of paper and shown it to the first person and told that first person to tell the next and then tell the next and tell the next and work their way down the line? When you get down to the end, (laughs) is what is said anything close to what was original? (laughs) Not at all. Uh, You'll notice everybody has their own little twists and turns, memory goes in and out, whatever. And what you said in that first statement that they read is not what's read down there at the end. But when you look at the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, there is a harmonious record of God's dealing with man and his gracious offer of salvation. Now, this view where they say the book is only written by men, it's not written by God, is not a new view. In fact, it's the oldest view we find in the Bible. When you go back to Genesis 3 and the serpent tempting Eve, he said this in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? But then the woman repeats in verse 3, But of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Right from the beginning, what God has said has been questioned and approached like, Well, it's just what any other man says. But it's not. The word of God is not what just any other man said. The word of God has been superintended by God to work it all together so that through Genesis to Revelation, we have a harmonious account of what God is seeking to do to save man. Now, there's a second view. And the second view is this. There are those who believe that the Bible contains God's word, but is not the word of God. They believe the Bible contains God's word, but is not completely the word of God. Here's what they say. If it moves you, it's scripture. And if it doesn't, it's not. In the Old Testament, they had a name for this. It's the higher criticism view called the JEDP theory. And the idea was that there were four different writers and they just kind of mixed everything together and it all turned out okay. It's a very complicated view. And if you've studied anything in the Old Testament, you've probably run across it. But the idea is that Well, this word contains God's word, but it's not really God's word. In the New Testament, there's another form of higher criticism. You may not be aware of this one. It is actually a form of higher criticism, which I've titled the RP 
excuse me, the RPGB, uh, the RPGB. And what is that? Well, do you realize that every year there's a group of scholars that get together and they go over the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and they highlight different phrases that he said. And in their highlighting, they use red for the idea that, yes, he said it. They use pink for the idea of, well, it may be authentic. They use gray for that's probably not what was said, he said. And then they use black for absolutely no. So they have a R for red, P for pink, G for gray, and B for black. And that's their view of higher criticism. Now, when we think about that, think about this. We ask the question, how does your view fit with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? Listen to those words again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How much? All scripture. You do not have the wisdom to determine what is real, what's not, and you don't have the right to determine what is real and what's not. The truth of the matter is, as was brought out by our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke on the road to Emmaus, when he was talking to the disciples there, he said this in verse 25 of Luke 24. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. No, this is an erroneous view to say that the Bible contains the word of God, but is not the word of God. Now, the third view that we want to look at is this. There are those who say they believe the Bible is God's word, but add their own writings to it on an equal footing. Here's what they say. God is working through us today too. Therefore, our book is important as God's book. If you were to talk to a Mormon, they have the Book of Mormon. If you were to talk to a, a, a Jehovah's Witness, they have the little blue book of truth. And in many other situations, you would talk to people and they would talk of their traditions of the church and put them on an equal footing with the word of God. In fact, I have a couple of quotes here that I find extremely interesting. One of them is by a Roman Catholic author. And he says this, he says, little or no knowledge. Most Catholics have little or no knowledge of the Bible. In fact, the writer of this article says, I myself have not studied the Bible. Now, I'm not picking on him. I just want to make his comments so you can understand this point we're looking at. He says this, first of all, even though he has not read the Bible himself or studied the Bible, and he admits that Catholics have little knowledge of the Bible, he says, first of all, the Bible came from the church and the church did not come from the Bible. He goes a little bit further in the article and he says this. He says, the church alone has the authority to say what the Bible means. Now, what does that boil down to? Well, it boils down to this, that when you take the Bible and you take another book or you take the Bible and you take traditions and set them side by side, when they conflict, those who believe this argument or this view are saying, you take the most recent, which is our book, or the most recent, which is our tradition. 
Listen to this other statement. It's so priceless. It's from the Methodist, and this is a statement they've made. The document approved in four parts as amended in a committee to make it clear that in the United Methodist Church, the Bible, along with tradition, experience, and reason, is part of God's revelation. That's their view. The Bible, along with tradition, experience, and reason, is part of God's revelation. So they say the Bible is good, but God's also working through us, and our writings are equal to the Bible. But we ask the question, what do you do when the two conflict? And their answer is, they take the most recent and put aside the Bible. I had a couple of Mormon men visit me one time, and they were trying to convince me they believe the Bible as much as the Book of Mormon. I didn't mean to embarrass them, but I finally got to the point where I was a little bit exasperated, and I looked and I said, let me ask you a question. What book do you have in your hands? They were doing door-to-door -door visiting. They had the Book of Mormon. I said, where's your Bible? And they just looked at me and were a bit chagrined. But they were showing by what they brought to my door what they believe. Oh, we believe the Bible, but we believe our book is more important than the Bible. And we believe that where there's a conflict, you're to believe our book and not the Bible. That's a very dangerous position to be in. The only place that this Greek word inspiration is used is here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it's making it very clear that the Bible is not a book written by men. The Bible is not a book that just contains parts of what God said. The Bible is not a book that's to be on equal footing with any other book. But the Bible is inspired by God and God breathed for us today. That brings us to our fourth view. Our fourth view is this. There are those who believe the Bible is the inerrant and infallible word of God. There are those who believe the Bible is the inerrant and infallible word of God. The word inerrant means making no mistake. The word infallible means incapable of error. And they say, we say, God supernaturally directed the writing of Scripture that without excluding their human intelligence, their personal feelings, or any other human factor, his God's own complete and coherent message to man was recorded in perfect accuracy. That is the idea of inspiration. That is the idea that God breathed his word. We say this view is right on. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1 and note, if you would, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first, something we know, that no prophecy of the scripture of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the only view that gives us an anchor in this world that's flooded with man's opinion. It is the only view that is consistent with 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God, and we know, excuse me, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, the word. He that is not of God heareth not us, the word. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, with that in mind, let me give you a couple of real quick conclusions. Number one, in order to know the truth, one must know 
the word of God. 1 John 4, 1, just read it. Spirit of truth, spirit of error. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, in perilous times, we know that the word, verse 16, is powerful, quicker. To sharpen a two-edged sword, Hebrews. 1 Peter 1, that we looked at, about the word of God. In order to know the truth, one must know the word of God. If we don't know the word of God, we can guess at what he thinks or guess at what he feels, but we don't know. But when we take the word of God as he has given to us and read it and study it and meditate upon it and apply it, we know we have the word of God. But here's where the rub comes in. Our second conclusion. In order to know the truth, one must know the living word of God, Jesus Christ. In order to know the truth, one must know the living word of God, Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, and see how they apply in our conclusion to our study today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom uh, teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They can't know the Word of God without knowing the Savior, which is the living Word of God. So the most important thing to do to read and understand your Bible is to come to a place of having the right view. And the right view is, no, it's not just a book that's written by men. No, it's not just a book that contains the Word of God. And no, it's not a book that's on equal footing with any other book. It is actually the inspired, direct Word of God communicating to us his plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and the other things that go along with it. So much of the Christian walk is so beautiful and is taught in the Word of God. But the thing about it is, you need to know the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, to be able to understand the written Word of God. So your first step in getting an understanding of God's Word in order to get the full value of the inspiration of God's word, is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, accept what Christ did on the cross in payment of your sin, and ask to have that new life in Christ. And when you do that, and you go to the word of God, you will have the living word of God that will help you understand the written word of God. Well, this has been Pastor Marty Macedo of Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another from the pastor study. And you may email me at masitofhm at gmail.com, M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. And Lord willing, we'll post another Bible lesson next week. But remember, God breathed his word to us that we may repent of our sins and receive his living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the spirit of truth. Have you made this decision yet? If not, why not do so today? Thank you for listening and have a great day.